Today I want to talk to you about new parenting, new parenting. And not only are we going to deal with parenting today, but on Wednesday night, we're going to have a panel of parents on the stage at both campuses. And you're going to be able to ask questions. You're going to be able to hear their story and their journey on how they are parenting their kids, how they have parent their, parented their kids. And so it's going to be just a time as iron sharpens iron uh, time together. So you want to be here on Wednesday night. As I begin this message today, I want to begin by asking you a question. Are you ready for children? Are you and your spouse ready to start having children? Here's what I want to do today. I want to give you a test to see if you're ready to start having children. I found this test on uh, the internet and I thought it was very applicable for us today. So if you want to know if you're ready to start having children, see if you pass this test. The first test you need to pass is the mess test. So when you get home, smear peanut butter on the sofa and curtains, then rub your hands in dirt and rub them on the walls, cover the stains with crayons and place fish sticks behind the couch and leave them there all summer. And if you pass the mess test, then you can move on to the second test to see if you're ready to become a parent. And the next test is the smell test. Go use the bathroom, not number one, number two. And don't flush the toilet for three days and learn to enjoy the smell. Come on, this just happened at our house. True story, true story. I was like, what is that smell? What in the world is that? And walked into our kid's bathroom and thought, whoa, somebody's got to learn to flush the toilet. The smell test. And then if you pass that test, let's see if you're ready to be a parent. There's the toy test. Obtain a 55-gallon box of Legos. And if Legos are not available, you may substitute with thumbtacks or broken bottles. Have a friend spread them all over your house and blindfold you. And then you get out of bed and walk from the bedroom to the kitchen and do not scream because you could wake a child up at night. And if you pass the toy test, then you're ready to go to the grocery store test. And borrow one or two small animals, goats are best, and take them with you as you shop at the grocery store. Always keep an eye on those goats and be sure to pay for anything that they eat or damage. And if you pass the grocery store test, you're ready for the physical test. Ladies, this is just for you. Get a large pillowcase and fill it with a 100,000 beans. Tape closed and attach it to the front of your clothes. Leave it there for nine months. After nine months, remove 10 beans and resume life. <laughs> and if you pass the physical test, then you're ready for the night test. And the night test, you need to get a small bag and fill it with 8 to 12 pounds of sand. Soak it thoroughly in water 
at 8 p.m. begin to waltz and hum with the bag until 9 p.m. Lay down your bag and set your alarm for 10 p.m. Get up at 10 p.m. and pick up your bag and sing every song you have ever heard until 12 a.m. Lay your bag down at 12 a.m. and crawl into bed. In 10 minutes, get back out of the bed, pick up your bag and make up a dozen more songs and sing those songs until 4 a.m. Set your alarm at 5 a.m. Get up and make breakfast at 5 a.m. Keep this up for five years. Look cheerful. (laughs) Truthfully, there is nothing in life that prepares you and I to be a parent. It's not like you know how to be a parent and then you become one. Listen, you learn how to become a parent while you're parenting. The only expert that you'll ever meet in parenting is somebody who doesn't have a child. Come on, how many used to be an expert? Come on, you know what I'm saying? Used to be, yeah, when I have kids, my kid will never do that. And, and, you know, now you got kids, you're no longer an expert. I used to be in the expert category, and I'm no longer an expert on parenting. But here's what I want to do today. If, if, if I want us to look at some biblical principles about parenting, how to be new parents, how to be better parents that honor God. And please hear me today. If you're not a parent at this moment in life, chances are one day you will be a parent. So don't tune me out. You listen carefully because one day you'll be able to apply these life-changing nuggets to your parenting skills and Have a healthy home, I would believe, and help you raise godly kids. And if you're in the stage of life where where your kids are already grown and you're like, well, I'm going to check out on this message and play with my phone, don't do that. You see, understand something. If you're 90 years old and your kids are 70 years old, they're still your children. And you're going to be a parent the rest of your life. Parenting doesn't end when the kids turn 18 or 20 and get out the house. As long as your kids are alive, you're alive, you are a parent. And I'm going to share some principles with you today that I believe will help all of us in some area of our life. There's going to be something that I'm going to share whether you, your kids are in the toddler stage or whether they're 70 years old. I believe you're going to learn something today that you can apply from God's Word to help you be a better parent. The first principle I want to share with you is live with integrity. Live with integrity. And I want us to look today, if you have a Bible, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1. If you have your smartphone, you can pull up your Bible app. And let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 1 together, beginning in verse number 5. The Bible says, I remember that that's important words. I remember that's Paul talking. Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament in the Bible, he was the spiritual father to Timothy. And he wrote two letters to Timothy. Timothy was a a pastor and he wrote two letters, letters to Timothy to encourage him, to inspire him, to mentor him, to give him wisdom. And he says, Timothy, I remember your genuine faith. Come on, everybody shout genuine. That's important. That's important. He says, I remember your genuine faith for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice and now and I know that same faith continues check this out continues strong 
in you. You see, friends, the primary source of Timothy's faith was passed on to him from his mother who had faith passed on to her from her mother. And Paul says, Timothy, this, that, that, that same faith that your mother had, your grandmother has had, it now lives strong in you. And did you notice that Paul described this faith as a genuine faith, as a sincere faith? That means that Timothy's mother, she had a genuine faith. She was sincere in her faith. She didn't just verbalize her faith, but she actually lived it. She, she, she didn't just talk about Jesus, but she actually lived for Jesus. And what she believed showed up in how she lived, and it had a major impact on Timothy. Parents, future parents, it's so important that we understand that who we are will shape our children more than what we say. It's so important that we understand that how we live will have a greater impact on our kids than what comes out of our mouth. Isn't it true that children are very perceptive? They can tell no matter how young they are, they may be four, five, six years old, or maybe they're 70 years old. Your children can look at your life and my life and they can tell if we have a genuine faith. If we have a sincere faith and, and our children, they can see how we handle stress. They, they see how we handle pressure. They see how we handle temptation. They see how we handle anger. They see if we're honest. They see our values. They see our priorities. And friends, can I tell you, our children are watching no matter how little, how old our children are. They're watching. My wife, a few weeks ago, she was driving home from church with our four kids. And as she was driving, she was on a road that the speed limit was 45. Our little four-year-old guy, he was screaming, crying, throwing a fit in the back seat. And Tiffany was speeding to get home. She's like, you know, he's, he's throwing a fit, but really I think he just was so full of Jesus from church. And he was just, he was going, Jesus! She just... Couldn't interpret it probably, but, you know, okay, that's just trying to be spiritual because I'm the pastor. No, he was just throwing a fit in the car. And, and the police pulled Tiffany over because she was going 10 or so miles over the speed limit. And as the police officer was walking to the car, Tiffany told me that Kay stopped crying. He went from, ah! Isn't that how it works, parents? You know, and you ready to tell the police officer, I'm telling you, look at my, look at, you know. And he's like... You're like, and the police officer comes up and he gives Tiffany a warning. And when I got home from preaching four services around three o'clock, I said, thank you, Jesus, for a warning. And, and it was so funny. It was so funny. It was so funny. Three days, three days to a week later, I was taking my little daughter out. She's seven years old on a daddy-daughter date. And I'm driving in the car and she's in the back seat and and Karis begins to scream at me, Daddy, the police, the police, Daddy, slow down, it's the police. I didn't even see, I looked over, and there was a police officer, he had somebody pulled over, and my daughter, she is traumatized from a few days earlier, she's like, the police! <laughs> and she said to me, she said, Daddy, Daddy, are you speeding? <laughs> she said, are you speeding, Daddy? How fast are you going? 
none of your business asking me all them questions. You better just sit back and ride. You know what I mean? That's what, that's what you think. But she, she's watching me. Dad, are you speeding? How fast are you going? Isn't it amazing that our kids, they are watching us. Are you speeding? Daddy, watching you. Are you lying? Daddy, I'm watching you. Are you a cheater? Daddy, I'm watching you. Are you unfaithful? Daddy, I'm watching you. Are you flying off the handle and screaming at people? Daddy, I'm I'm watching you. Are those your morals and values? Daddy, at my little age, daddy, at my big age, daddy, I'm watching you and how we live is more impactful on our children than what we say. If there's one thing that I want to pass on, Tiffany and I want to pass on to our kids, is I want my kids to know through the ups and through the downs that we have a genuine faith, a genuine faith that we can pass on to our kids. Timothy, your, your mother, she had a genuine faith, your grandmother, and it was passed on to you. There's a second thing that I want you to see, a second thing, and that is this, provide encouragement. A second principle, provide encouragement. Back in 1958, a baby boy was born into the Lane family, and the father's name was Robert. And Robert decided to name his boy Winner Lane. I mean, how in the world could somebody fail at life with a name like Winner Lane? Several years later, the family had a second boy born to the family. And for whatever reason, Robert decided to name the second child Loser Lane. He had one son, Winter Lane, and he named the other son Loser Lane. And I mean, why in the world would you doom your child's future by naming them a name like Loser? And contrary to all expectation, Loser Lane actually succeeded in life. He graduated from college and later became a sergeant with the New York Police Department. His police colleagues so respected him, they were uncomfortable calling him loser, so they, they called him Lou because they were uncomfortable saying loser to their sergeant. And the most noteworthy achievement of Winter Lane was his, the sheer length of his criminal record. The story says that, that, that loser Lane, he had nearly three dozen arrests for burglary domestic violence, trespassing, and restraint orders. Loser, Winner Lane actually didn't turn out to be very successful at all. And this just goes to show you and I that our kids need more than us just passing on our name. They actually need our, they need our constant encouragement. And Paul, he's talking to his spiritual son, Timothy, and he provides encouragement to his spiritual son. And I want you to see this in the very next verse, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 6. Paul says, this is why. Remember the context when he says this is why? He's talking about verse 5. See, your mother's genuine faith, it continues to live strong in you. And because your mother passed on this genuine faith and you have this genuine faith, this is why 
Timothy, I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. And Paul, the spiritual father, I, I don't know where Timothy's dad was. The Bible doesn't talk about his dad. It talks about his mother. It talks about his grandmother passing on faith. I don't know where dad was, but, 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 but Paul stepped in and became a spiritual father to Timothy. And he encourages Timothy. Timothy, fan into flame the gift of God that's in you. He reminds Timothy, Timothy, you have gifts and abilities that only come from God Almighty. And he's encouraging Timothy, Timothy, use your gifts. Use your abilities to, 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 to impact people's lives. Timothy, God wants to use your life in a great way. And Paul encourages his spiritual son. And can I tell you that our children, no matter how young or how old they are, they need our encouragement. And we need to encourage our kids to serve the Lord. Encourage them. Inspire them. We need to encourage our kids to serve people. We're called to be servants. We need to encourage our children to serve their purpose. Our children need to know, and they, we need to encourage them. God has a purpose for you. You have gifts and talents that your heavenly father has given you. God wants to use your life in a great way. And just like Paul, he's encouraging Timothy because he has this genuine faith. We need to encourage our kids. God wants to use your life. Would you think about this for me? Whether your kids are this little or they're this big. They're still your kids. And are you encouraging them? Are you a source of encouragement? Are you like Paul? Are you encouraging your kids to fan the flame of the gift that God has placed inside of them? All of our kids, our kids need our encouragement. There's a, a third principle that I want us to see from this portion of Scripture, and that is this. We need to teach our children to rely on God's power, to rely on God's power. See this in 2 Timothy chapter 1, the very next verse. Paul tells Timothy, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power. Come on, everybody shout power. He says this, God has given us a spirit of power. Timothy, I want to remind you, God has given you power. There's power residing inside of you, Timothy. Lean on God's power. And if there's one thing, man, I want to teach my kids. I want to teach them to depend upon the power of God, to lean on the power of God, to, for them to know that the power of God lives inside of them through the person of the Holy Spirit. I don't want them to lean on their own power. I don't want them to lean on their own strength. I I don't want them to go through life thinking they can make it on their own because that is false. Matter of fact, Paul said to the church of Philippi, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And I want my kids to know when life is stressful, you can lean on the power of God. When life is scary, you can lean on the power of God. When life throws you curveballs, you can lean on the power of God. And I want to teach my kids, when they're going through the valleys of life, talk to God in prayer. There's power. When life is going good, lean on God in prayer. There's power. There's power available to you. If there's something we need to teach our children, is to lean on the power of 
God, Timothy, God has not given you a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power. There's power in your life. Number four is this. There's a, a fourth principle I want you to see, and that is help develop self-discipline in our children. Help develop self-discipline in our children. And Paul goes on to tell Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Self-discipline. And self-discipline is the ability to say no when our body is saying yes. And to say yes when our body is saying no. And friends, without self-discipline, we will wreck our life. Because there are times that our body is saying yes to sin. There are times our body is saying yes to temptation. There are times that there's this lure, there's this pull, there's this enticement to sin. And we have to develop self-discipline so when our body is saying yes to sin, we say no to sin because we have developed self-discipline. There are also times that our body is saying no to something that's actually good for us. Our body is saying no, don't study for the test. No, don't do the homework. If you're an adult, no, no, you don't need to get up and go to work on Monday morning. Matter of fact, just don't go to work all week long and your body will say crazy stuff to you like that. No, don't go to work. But you have to develop self-discipline in your life so that when your body is saying no, you still say yes so that you don't sabotage your life. And it's very important that we teach our kids and we help them develop self-discipline in their life. I think about my little guy, Case, and he's getting more stories than anybody today. But my little guy, he's four, and we recently went through a, a this short season here, the last few weeks with Case, having an attitude problem. And he's been talking back to my wife and throwing fits when he's not getting his way and laying out on the floor acting like a goofy man and Tiffany brought this to my attention and we decided we we're just going to sit down and talk to Mr. Case and um, every night we put the kids to bed we always pray with them Tiffany oftentimes reads them a story and this particular night, a week or two ago, when we sat on Case's bed, I sat and talked to him. I said, Case, I want you to understand something, son. Our attitude is a choice. I said, just like how you control your body, you control your attitude. And my little four-year-old is looking at me, and I could just tell, I got to help this sink in. I said, now, son, lay down in bed. I said, get up. I said, who made you do that? I did. I said, lay down. Get up. Who made you do that? I did. Lay down. Get up. I said, who made you do that? I did. Lay down. Get up. I said, who made you do that? I did. I said, son, 
Just like you control your body. Nobody made you do that. You control your own body. And just like you control your own body, you control your attitude. And in life, listen, son, everything doesn't go our way. And you need to understand something. Your attitude is a choice. And you choose to have a bad attitude. I said, son, I want to teach you something now today, okay? I want to teach you something. I said, son, say with me. Attitude's a choice. Attitude's a choice. I said, say it again, son. Attitude's a choice. Attitude of choice. Son, set with conviction. Say, attitude of choice. Attitude of choice. Set against us. Attitude of choice. Attitude of choice. Set against us. Attitude of choice. Attitude of choice. Now, you understand now, son, what's going to happen to you if you do this again? I'm going to get a spanking. Okay, son. Attitudes a choice. And Tiffany told me just a day or two later, he was getting ready to throw one of those fits. And Tiffany said, now, what, what did you learn? What did, what did daddy teach you the other night? Attitude of choice, and he straightened back up. Matter of fact, yesterday, yesterday, he was getting a little sour face, and he was getting ready. He wanted to throw a fit. He wasn't getting his way. And I said, son, attitude's a choice. I said, I couldn't hear you. Attitude's a what? Choice. I said, I, I couldn't hear you. Attitude's a what? Choice. Attitude's a what? Choice. Say it with a smile. <laughs> choice. And he straightened up. But you know what we're trying to do? We're trying to develop self-discipline in our kids because if they're going to honor God, if they're going to do great things for the Lord, sometimes their body will say yes and they got to have self-discipline to say no. And sometimes their body will be saying no and they have to have the self-discipline to go ahead and say yes. Develop self-discipline. Timothy, God's given you a spirit of power and self-discipline. We want to help develop that along with the work of the Holy Spirit. Number five is this. There's a fifth thing that I want you to see, and that is love unconditionally. Love unconditionally. Second Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power. Check this out. Love and self-discipline. Love. He's given us a, a, a spirit of love. And if there's one thing that all of us need to... Make sure we do for our kids, and that is to provide a, an atmosphere where they know that we love them unconditionally. Can I tell you, it's really easy as a parent to start slipping into performance-based parenting, where you start qualifying your love based upon their performance. Well, if you make good grades, and you know, I'm, I love you. If, you. if you're a good athlete, I love you. You go on to college, you know, you'll make daddy or mommy proud and we love you. Or you, oh, you got the great job. You got a great career. Wow. Having my grandkids. Oh, I love you. No, 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 no. We, we need to love our kids unconditionally. Our love is not based on your performance. We want you to do the right thing. We want you to make wise choices. We want you to go to college. We want you to get a great career. But listen, 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 listen. We love you unconditionally. Can I ask you just no matter how old you are, how young you are as a parent. If you're a parent, I want you to just think about this. Do you love your kids unconditionally? Or do you qualify your love based upon what they do? You show them and give them your love. If there's something that I know about our Heavenly Father is that He loves us just like we are. God can't love you any more than He loves you right now 
But he loves you too much to let you stay the same. But he, you can't do anything to earn the love of God. And can I tell you, with our children, we need to love our children unconditionally. Create an environment. No matter how old or young, we, they need to know we love them. And you know what else I want to do with my kids? I don't want to just love them unconditionally. I want to teach them the love. We live in a world full of hate. I want to teach them the love, the biblical way, the agape way, the God way. I want to teach them to love God with all their heart. That's the first and greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your soul, with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. I want them to teach them to love God. I want them to love God's house. I ask my kids almost every every Saturday when uh, when we were talking Saturday nights at bedtime, I say, how many of you excited to go to church? Yeah. I I teach them this. I say, the Coopers love God's house. We, I'm in still, we love God's house. And I don't just love God's house because I'm a pastor. I believe in the local church. I, I love God's house where we grow and we worship and God ordained the church. And I want my kids to love God and love his house. And I want to teach my kids to love people. And sometimes loving people can be hard. Life can be tough sometimes. You don't always get your way. People can hurt you. They can disappoint you. They can say mean things about you. They can do you wrong. People, listen, but we, I want to teach my love people. Love people. I want to teach, love people. And you know what I want to teach my kids? is to love life. Love, you get one life to live. Why go through life with the frown on your face and pessimistic? I want to teach them to love life. As a matter of fact, one of the things I do is I, I have the privilege to be able to drive my kids to school in, in the mornings. I drive them to school, and, and then I, I get out and I walk with them to school. And inside the school, you know, they're still at that age where that's cool right now. You know what I'm saying? So I walk them inside the school, and, and we, 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 we get outside of my oldest son's classroom, my three kids who are in school, and we put our hands in like this, and, and I say, now, now, before we break, I say, today's Monday. And Mondays, I'm dog tired. I preach four times and wore out. But we put our hands in there, and I put with a smile. I say, it's going to be a marvelous Monday. Break! And they go, and they run to their class. And, and then on Tuesdays, we, we, we listen to music on the way. They have a couple of songs that they like, Christian songs, and we just worship on the way, and they just sing their hearts out. Then when we get to school, I just remind, hey, attitude's a choice. Attitudes, it doesn't matter who kicks you on the playground, doesn't matter what happens. Attitudes, a choice. Put your hands in. I said, kids, it's going to be a terrific Tuesday. Break! And then on Wednesdays, I just instill this in my kids. On Wednesday, I put, put your hands in, but before you go, it's going to be, hey, attitudes, a choice. It's going to be a wonderful Wednesday. Break! And then on Thursday, somebody needs to help your pastor. I don't have anything else besides terrific for Thursday and Tuesday. So I said, it's going to be a terrific Thursday. Break! Friday, it's a fabulous Friday. Matter of fact, while we're driving to school, they'll now say, Daddy, Daddy, it's going to be a fabulous Friday. That's right. That is right. Attitude's a choice. I want you to love life. Don't go through life with a big old frown on your face. Tough stuff happens to all of us, and you choose to have a good attitude. Love life. Love God. Love people. 